Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Do you know, as I've been meditating in the last couple of days, I've just been meditating on, on the beauty and the wonders of who God is. And uh, I'm just always constantly reminded of the tenderness of who God is to us, but also who He is. You know, I'm reminded of this uh, beautiful story of John, um, the disciple, um, that the Holy Spirit gave him the privilege of saying and writing that he's the one that um, Jesus loves. So this kind of beautiful John, the disciple John, who actually put his head on Jesus' breast, who leant his head on his chest, and who just talked to him and was so close and, and just had such a beautiful, tender relationship. And the same John we find in Revelations chapter 1, he suddenly turns and he sees Jesus with this robe and this golden sash, and his hair is like burnished bronze. It's so bright and shining, and, and his eyes are like flames of fire. And his voice is like the Victoria Falls. It's my Jesus. And his face is shining like the noonday sun. And he suddenly realizes that this is not the same Jesus. He's the same, but he's not the same. And church, my heart burns that the church would understand that God wants to be close. God wants you to be able to put your head on his chest and talk to him. But he's also overwhelmingly God. And when you read in Revelations, you see how God reveals himself in such majestic ways that you cannot stand. You have to fall flat on your face and just bow. And I, I even see John in Revelations how he actually falls flat on his face and bows to another created being who just lives in the realms of heaven, who's an angel, and the angel has to say to him, stand up, I'm just like you. And yet he was so glorious. Can you imagine how glorious and beautiful Jesus is? I want to encourage the bride this morning that we are living in the most beautiful and precious times. I believe 2021 is the most powerful and beautiful year that you could ever have been given the opportunity to live in as the bride of Christ and as the church. And I believe it's a privilege to be alive right now. It's a privilege to have the purpose and the plans of God being given and, 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 and instructed out to us as His people. What an absolute honor and a privilege. It is so exciting to be the church. It's so exciting to be alive at this time. It's so exciting to see what God is going to do in and through simple people like us. But I want us to understand this church, the stuff that wants to creep into the life of the church, just this blase, relaxed attitude, casual attitude that Jesus just, He's just Jesus, the, the guy that just sits there and he doesn't mind. No, he is Jesus that's sitting on the right hand of God. He is Jesus. His voice is like Victoria Falls. If you've ever been to Victoria Falls, wherever falls you've ever been to, the sound of mighty waters, friends. That's how Jesus, He's robed. He is robed with majesty. He's clothed with such beauty and splendor. It's hard to even gaze in that brightness of who He is. And those eyes, friends, they are eyes of love, but they're flames of fire. Lest we ever, ever lose sight of who He is, friends. Um, it reminds me of uh, Psalm 2, if you ever have read there, and it talks about the nations, and it's such a beautiful psalm. But I love in Psalm 2, see if I can find it. Um, 
The, ask of me and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. Such a beautiful psalm. It's, it's just like, wow, God's just breathing over us this beautiful majesty of purpose. And then if you read right at the very end, uh, verse um, 11, there's 12 verses, but just verse 11, it says, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Isn't that powerful? Serve the Lord with fear, rejoice with trembling. It's almost as if God's saying, rejoice because I'm with you, and, but serve me in fear and serve me with trembling because I'm God. I'm overwhelmingly God, but I'm also overwhelmingly good. And I want to be with you, and I want to be a brother, and I want to be one who sticks closer than anybody else. But I also don't want this casual blase because I am God. Friends, and when we stand before Him, we want to bow. We want to yield. We want to, we want to acknowledge who He is. We want to serve Him, but we serve Him with fear, the fear of the Lord. We rejoice because woo, we go back to that place of incredible joy because we've been redeemed, and we're His, and we're sons and daughters of God. But I do it with trembling. Never lest I forget who he is. And uh, just on that, just something that was stirring my heart again this morning was just last week I shared something about uh, Babylon and being captivated by Babylon and, uh, and uh, the, the, all the silver and gold going into Babylon's treasury uh, and, um, and the, the, the things that were set apart for the temple uh, just became part of the courts of Babylon. And I've just stirred up again this morning as I'm worshiping Him because I don't want us to just move away from things that God's trying to speak to us. I don't believe, friends, that, that we have been captivated by Babylon and now we're going through a season where we're just going to have to hang in there because Babylon's got us until God can rescue us. I believe God's wanting to establish our hearts and He's wanting to speak to us, friends, that we will not be captivated by Babylon, friends. And the way you are not captivated by Babylon is just read the story of Daniel. Read the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Indigo, where they spend time, friends, upstairs, just praying in the Lord. Prayer is vital at this time, friends. It is absolutely key. God's house is a house of prayer. Prayer must be our vital uh, uh, demonstration of who we are. We are people of prayer, friends. And because we're people of prayer, just like Daniel, friends, we have to, as people of prayer, we have to not be captivated by the courts of Babylon and by eating from the king's table. Daniel refused to eat from the king's table. We've got to stop from eating from the king's table, begin to change our appetites, friends. We have to change our appetites so that we can be a voice, just like John the Baptist, friends. He had to change his appetite. He had to draw and set himself aside so that he could be a voice at this time, friends. We have to become people of prayer so we can be a voice at this time. We have to become a people, friends, that are not succumbing to the appetites of this world. And the appetites of the world, friends, is not custard slices and, and a good curry and, and the appetites of this world, friends, everything that tries to grab hold of our hearts to satisfy us, friends, the greater than, than God can satisfy us. That's anything, friends. That's our silver and gold. Whatever we put it in, whatever we stuck it in, friends, God is saying to you right now, you've got to take it out of Babylon, friends. He's saying to you, I store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt at this time, friends. Take that which God has given you, the treasures which He's, he's put into your hands, friends, and begin to put it into the storehouse of heaven, friends. Begin to release it into the things of God so that He can captivate our hearts and make us a voice at this time, friends, and a people who will not bow 
in this time, Lord, friends. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, friends, they wouldn't bow even though the fire was heated seven times. Even though the world might be heating up the fire, friends, we are not intimidated by the fire. We're not allowing the fire to lay a snare for us, friends. We're not allowing the fear of man to lay a snare for us, friends. But we are rising up as a people of God and saying we will not bow. We will rise up and even have to go through the fire. It doesn't matter because the fire cannot burn us. The fire cannot even, we don't even have to smell even of smoke, friends. Because that's the word of the Lord to the church right now, is to rise up in the fear of God, not in the fear of man, and to let Him be who He's called to be, and to pull ourselves away, to become the bride that He called us to be. Be ye separate. Be ye holy as I am holy. Friends, that's Jesus. That's, a, that's being drawn to His presence, to who God is, so that we can be who God's called us to be, friends. So that Babylon has no hold on us, friends. So that we can be the consecrated vessels that God's called us to be. Because right now, He's calling. He's asking. He's now he's wooing His bride. And He's calling us, friends, as designated vessels that were called and, and created for a purpose. Right now, God is wanting you to be used for His purpose. Friends, you were destined and designed at this time to be his vessel for his purpose. You dare not be used in the courts of Babylon, friends. That would be a sad situation, friends, because when you're used for God's purposes and plans, everything is designed for that, friends. You live in the beauty, the grace, the splendor. You live in the joy of the Lord. You live with such fulfillment, friends, when you're doing what He's called you to do. Friends, when you're not and you're in the courts of, of, of Babylon, friends, you feel out of place. You feel always like you're not quite making it. It's not quite built up. You're a, you're a hammer and you're trying to do a chisel's job. Oh, Karabashanda. Eramashende. I was going to give you this beautiful, encouraging sermon today. <laughs> Be encouraged, be encouraged, because God is so wanting to encourage His church. He is so stirring up His church at this time. He loves you and I so much. He's like, he's like, I love you guys, man. Man, we've come to this point for such a time as this. I'm not going to bring you into this labor, and then we're not going to birth. I mean, the baby's going to be born, friends, because He's brought us to this place. There is a baby that's going to be born, yes, and then shortly in our, in our family, we're going to have another beautiful member or child or whatever. But friends, we were born for such a time as this, and I, whew, I get so excited. Um, um, I, 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 don't, I don't even know how do I... Ora mashanda la karabasindi, sherabasiti la bashanda. Ah, Ramashende. <laughs> but everyone running around jumping here. It's so powerful. It is powerful. It's wonderful. You're so good, Lord. Whew. I don't even think I'm going I'm to preach this, but I, I just want to stir us up because I feel like, I feel like the enemy's tried to, to, to rob the church of its divine purpose and one of the ways, one of, the, one of the, the, the most powerful ways it's done that is with this tree of knowledge. You know, right from the very beginning, God said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge. Eat from the tree of life. Eat from me. 
Because I will sustain and be all your all-sufficiency and all-fulfilling uh, for you. And, uh, and then Adam and Eve fall and they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and, and there's a whole journey that goes on. But what we're seeing right now, we're seeing the church with a whole lot of knowledge. We're seeing the church with a whole lot of, of um, opinions and uh, even a whole lot of quotes and, and things that they're speaking out there. And everybody feels like, you know, um, one of the things that's challenged me, I'm just share this very quickly. One of the things that's always challenged me is, you know, when you come to the church for help, when you come to a fellow believer or somebody and you're asking for help and you, you're saying, um, you know, please, will you help me? 99% of the time, friends, they give you their opinion or they tell you what they think you should be doing or the word, friends. Friends, those are people that are eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I don't really want to go to those kind of people. What I do want to go to is a people of prayer. I want to go to a bunch of people, friends, that have the uh, presence and power of God uh, present and, and manifest over their lives, friends, that don't just want to tell me what to do, but are prepared to climb into the hole and help me get out of the hole. Friends, God is raising up an army. He's raising up a bride, friends, that are not just full of knowledge, friends, but are people that were prepared to go and to do, friends, to get out of their comfort zone, out of their convenience, friends. I don't want to just phone somebody at night and they tell me what you should do is, is, is uh, what's happening? Oh, somebody is trying to get into your house. Well, you should lock yourself in the bedroom and you should actually uh, go and, and uh, find something uh, and sharp so that you can stand there and protect yourself. I want somebody to say, I'll be there in five minutes. See, in the, the Bible, friends, is exactly that. The Bible isn't, friends, a book that tells people about the knowledge. Friends, the Bible is a book that says, I will be there in five minutes. The Bible's a book that's a manifestation, friends, of who the nature and the character of God. Every time God comes to bring us knowledge, friends, it's not so that we can just have knowledge. It's so that He can manifest Himself. Knowledge, friends, should bring us to an encounter of who He is. If knowledge doesn't bring you to encounter for who He is, then all knowledge will do is train you to actually uh, be able to debate a person who disagrees with you. That's all knowledge will do, friends. And so we've got people now that as we look at the church today, it's kind of like, well, I, I'm not as good as that person when they're actually meaning I, I don't know as much as they do. I, I'm not that kind of a person. Uh, uh, I'm not a TV personality that speaks so well, that, that has this, this way with words. I'm not a wordsmith. I'm not this person that can just quote scripture and, 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 and do all these fancy things, friends. And I go back to the word and I say, the Bible for me doesn't say that's what the church is going to look like, friends. It's not for the people that are highly educated. And for me, it's the, it's, the, it's the simple ones. It's the ones, friends, who are not that educated, actually. Now, hear what I'm saying here. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Because I also want to say that, that in Jesus' disciples, there was also Matthew as a tax collector, as a highly educated man. But I love the first four that he called fishermen. Just Andrew and Simon, just busy fishing. Ignorant, kind of uneducated, common men. And he calls them, follow me. James and John, fishermen, follow me. Friends, there's something about a yielded life and a heart that surrendered to God versus some educated, uh, knowledgeable uh, individual. The church is, is there's too much... Friends, we feel like we, 
We have to, there's so much knowledge that's been put out there on all the social media platforms and what have you. And friends, as things change, so people just change and then dump some more knowledge. So they were prophesying into that this guy, and, and, and this is what the story is. And let me give you all my knowledge about this guy, but it's changed now. Now it's this guy. Let me give you all my knowledge about this guy. And God's saying it's not about this guy or that guy. It's about me. It's about Jesus. And it's about me manifesting who I am in and through your and my life. Amen. And I think of this, I just, I, you know, I realize that, that God uses Knowledge. He uses educa- educated people. I look at Paul. Uh, he had the um, um, Luke, the doctor. He had. You'll see in it's Colossians three thirteen. I think he has Zenus. It says there was a lawyer. Um, these are educated men. So there was educated men, but there was also uneducated. He had. I love Paul. He had Onesimus, which was a slave. Very highly uneducated man. There's room for everybody, friends. But the point is that we we lose the plot when it's all about knowledge when actually it's supposed to be all about Him. And it's supposed to be all about knowing Him and being a people of prayer so that as we do know Him, we can manifest and display His glory. Not our opinions, but His glory. Um, You know, the church, in the early church, was not a demonstration of knowledge. There wasn't a whole bunch of knowledge. Maybe I should just read some scriptures there. It's about as far as I'm going to go, I think. Um, If you go with me to Luke chapter 10, let's just go to Luke chapter 10. I'll read you a couple of scriptures. I don't think we'll, we'll, we'll go a different route this morning. Just Luke chapter 10. If you're reading Luke chapter 10, um, it's such a beautiful uh, little uh, context there where Jesus sent out the 72 and they returned with joy. That's in verse 17, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions uh, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, verse 21, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, Jesus saying this, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Don't you just love that? I just love that. I just love that he, this gospel is so powerful. And he, he gets so excited when he, when, he, um, when he sent out the 72 and they come back rejoicing. And woo-woo, all the powerful things that God is doing and, and how, how much power and authority they have. And he's going, that's great. But don't lose sight that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That it is actually all about me and that you would be nothing without me and that, um, I, I, that you're saved. All of that other stuff, it's just, it's, it's him. Um, but just thank you, Lord, that I'm saved. But then he says, isn't it so beautiful that all of this demonstration is not uh, hidden in, 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 in fancy words and, and wisdom and people's knowledge, that it's actually hidden in little children? And that's not just all little kids. I'm talking about that's an attitude of the heart as little kids when we come humbly. And we, it's like we, we have such confidence in our daddy. Uh, we think he's great. He can do everything. Um, and then he knows everything. Uh, and then when we come to him, we are expecting great things. Um, I come like a little ch- child because I'm expecting great things from my dad. I'm trusting my dad, he can do anything. Um, and so that's coming as a little child. But um, jump with me to um, Acts 4. Let me just quickly go to Acts 4. I'm just going to... 
quickly lay this foundation. Acts chapter 4. Let me go to Acts chapter 4. Uh, it's um, Peter and John, Acts chapter 3, you've got the gate beautiful, and uh, you've got the lame man that's now been healed, and they're preaching, and the, obviously the, the religious get highly upset because they like to talk about healing. And they like to do seminars about healing, and they like to have conferences about healing. But God forbid that they should actually heal. And when somebody comes along and demonstrates who God is, they get highly ticked off. So they, they got highly ticked off, and now they're busy, uh, you know, ch- shouting and chatting at them. And, and then it says this, uh, verse uh, 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And don't you love this last part? And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. <laughs> It doesn't say that now when they saw such knowledge from Peter and John and how much they could repeat the Old Testament and all the scriptures. It says, and they saw boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men. (laughs) Isn't that funny? It's like the people of God, we're trying so hard to become educated. We're trying so hard to be a people that speak so beautifully so we can get on TV. So we can uh, share this huge revelations that I've been given. And yet the early church, I just see that they were uneducated, common men, but they were full of boldness. They were full of authority. They were full of power. And they said they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So what, was, what happened when you were with Jesus? When you're with Jesus, you could quote a whole lot of scripture. You could actually say a whole bunch of stuff. Now, hear what I am saying. I love the word, and I believe we should study the word. The Bible does say we should study the word as workmen, worthy. Um, But I want us to be encouraged here that the, the demonstration and what the early church looked like wasn't a whole bunch of people with a whole bunch of knowledge. It was a whole bunch of people that were on fire for God. They were demonstrating the power and authority of God. That when they looked here and they said they saw that they were being with Jesus, they were talking about the boldness and the authority and the power which, which, with, with which these men were speaking and declaring. I'm always, I also think of, of, of this uh, um, um, story. Uh, it's, I think it's Matthew 14, around about there. Matthew, it's the story of, um, of when um, um, Peter walks on the water. And... Uh, and so here we have this where Jesus fed the 5,000, whatever, and now he's told the disciples to go on the boat, and he goes up to a, a quiet place on the mountain to pray. Beautiful illustration. That's what I actually wanted to talk on this morning. But um, he's busy with the Lord, uh, and he's praying, and the disciples are rowing. They've been going for it about nine hours. They're exhausted. They've been, it's been the seas buffeting them and what have you, and then he comes walking on the water. I mean, you know the story. As he comes walking on the water, it's wonderful that, He's been with the Lord for like nine hours, just quietly with the Lord. Now he's the one walking on the water. Uh, and the rest of the guys who have now been in the boat for nine hours, uh, which the boat would symbolize their comfort zone, uh, and uh, where they're convenient, where they feel secure, um, good lesson to learn there. But what, when he walks along, whatever, they all look and, ooh, it's a ghost. Uh, and um, now they're all pretty scared. And then what I love, I love this. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but I love this. I love that Peter looks 
uh, to Jesus. And he says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come. Now, understand, in the church today, in the light of all that what I've shared this morning, in the church today, what we would have done if we were the church in the boat, looking out and we see Jesus walking on the water, we would have turned and we would have said, Jesus, if it's you, who's your mother's name? How many brothers and sisters do you have? Blessed is he who... To try and... Let's see, let's see if he knows his Bible. Let's see if he knows the Word. Let's see if he... No, Peter says this. Lord, if it be you, command me. Authority. And... Command me to walk on water, power. See, Peter identified Jesus with authority and power. He says, if you are really Jesus, I want to see authority and power operating. Friends, if we really are the bride of Jesus Christ, if we really is church, then if we're his church, we want to see power and authority begin to operate. We don't want to see people on social media quoting 700 scriptures or saying a whole bunch of things or, or just... Uh, spewing out some whole bunch of knowledge. We want to see a whole bunch of people that are in love with Jesus, in love with this world, that were born for such a time as this, to be loving people and to be demonstrating the authority and the power of God. Amen. You know, to give you, maybe to just hit the thing home, is, is, is in Philippians uh, chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, you see Paul. Paul begins to uh, give you his list of accolades of all about his uh, background and his knowledge and his education. And he was educated at Gamaliel, which was uh, the greatest rabbi of, of that time. And, uh, and he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He, th- this was a guy who was a, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He, he had been highly, highly educated. There was nobody. In fact, he put it out there because he was so, he, he was so proud of it. He said, listen, if anybody else tries to beat this, they've got to go. There isn't anyone that can beat this. It's like when he says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. He had such confidence. It was just a confidence in Paul that you, if you're going to pray in tongues more than me, man, you're going to have to be praying in tongues 24-7. Because Paul was praying in tongues. He was praying without ceasing all the time. Because he was in relation and communion with God. But anyway, I'm, I'm sidetracking. And so now he lists that. And then it's funny that a few verses later he goes on to say, but I count that all of that as nothing that I might know Him. Friends, the whole journey is about knowing God. It's about, it's about knowing who He is, friends. And the danger that I feel right now, first and foremost, friends, is this very relaxed attitude that we have that it's all right and it doesn't matter and, and, and it's fine. No, it's not fine because He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords and we must bow and we must listen. Because this, the purpose that God's created us, friends, is to have a relationship with Him and to walk in humility and obedience. You want to know what your purpose is as a child of God? is to have a relationship with Him and to walk in humility and obedience. And friends, as we walk in humility and as we walk in obedience, as we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to commune with us, and as we allow God to begin to commune with us, friends, we begin to walk in this revelation and place of our destined purpose as a vessel of His, which is a house of prayer. 
So now I'm a vessel. It doesn't matter what kind of vessel. You could be a pouring vessel. You could be a holding vessel. You could be a whatever vessel. Um, every single vessel is a house of prayer. And why is that? Because at the end of the day, friends, what God is trying to speak to every single one of us and how he spoke to us so clearly throughout the whole of 2020 was he was trying to establish our heart. And how do you establish one's heart? And how do you keep one's heart? Proverbs 4, 23. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for out of it flows the issues of life. Friends, everything that pertains to life flows out of your heart. And so you've got to keep your heart with all vigilance. There's a vigilance, a beautiful word that, vigilance. It's that word, watch. Do you remember when Jesus was in the garden? And he took his disciples and he said, wait here. And then he took uh, just uh, his close ones, Peter, James, and John. And he said, yeah, watch. That's what he said. He didn't say watch and pray. At first he just said watch. Be vigilant. Be vigilant at this time. Be aware at this time. See, it's the heart. Be vigilant over your heart right now. And then he went off and he prayed and he came back and they were all sleeping. And then he said to them, can you not stay awake? Watch and pray. Watch and pray. There's a vigilance that God wants us to have now as the people of God. We need to be watching and praying, friends. Because prayer, friends, isn't just talking about things to God. Prayer is, is capturing and obtaining the heart of God. That's how, we keep, that's how we get the heart of God, is through prayer. And, uh, and I'd love to, to, to impart or share more about that. What is the time? 20 minutes. Lord. Pray. I'm so stirred up at this time that it's so important that we pray. Not just regurgitate prayers or some parrot fashion prayers, but that we encounter God through prayer, through communing with Him, through speaking to Him, letting Him speak to us, through obtaining His heart. Friends, prayer is how you establish your heart. Prayer is how you capture the heart of God. That's why I said before that when you have these moments where God comes and reveals Himself to us through His Word or even as Holy Spirit speaks, it's so that He can manifest who He is in our lives, so that it captivates our lives, so that it molds us, so that it changes us. That's why prayer is so beautiful, friends, that we get so frustrated because most of the time when we pray, we always pray out of um, uh, crisis. We pray out of pain. We pray out of necessity. We pray because we have to, because we're desperate. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that is not the core essence of prayer. Because when we do that, we begin to pray for an answer, for a solution. We're praying for something, friends. And when we're praying for something, even though God might give us an answer, we're always behind the game, as it were. We are a people that are always chasing after the game. Something happens. And this, this was the title of my sermon. It's probably irrelevant now. But I, I, what did I say? I said, our responsibility is to respond to the Father, not react to the devil. Our responsibility is to respond to the Father, not react to the devil. Friends, prayer isn't uh, uh, something that God's given us so we can use to react to the devil. When he's doing a whole bunch of stuff, then we react to it, then we get the answer. Sure, that, that it solved that, friends, but we're always behind. 
Prayer is meant to be captivating our heart, getting the heart of God. It's interesting in Jesus' life when he goes off before he starts anything and he has 40 days of prayer and fasting. The 40 days of prayer and fasting wasn't for something. Wasn't because of a crisis. Wasn't because of a situation. It wasn't I'm fasting and praying so that I can get an answer from God because whoo, didn't realize this human flesh, whoo, it's difficult. It's crazy being in a family. Sure, having to take care of them. This carpentry stuff. It's not you've got to go out there and you've got to chop the trees down and drag them back to your house. I wish I could just phone Timber City. Say, can I have three logs? No, it wasn't, friends. The reason why Jesus was fasting and praying, he was fasting and praying into something, into a lifestyle, into who he was. See, Jesus wasn't reactionary. Jesus was living who God was in his heart and in his life. He became who God was. Friends, when he prayed, he wasn't praying in reaction. He wasn't praying for an answer. Friends, he was praying so that the situation would not happen. Good, great example, Luke 22 comes to mind, 31. I think it is when Jesus says, Peter, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed. It hadn't happened yet, friends. He was praying, Jesus was praying, saying, I pray that you would not lose your faith. He knew what was going to happen to Peter. He was already uh, praying and declaring beforehand. He was not reacting, friends. So as, at the church, we're always reactionary. We're always reacting to things, friends, because our prayer has come out of urgency of crisis and pain. We have learned how to pray out of crisis and pain. We've learned to ask the Lord for solutions. And if, the, and if our, our identity is in the, solution, in, in the solution that we want, or our satisfaction is in God doing that, friends, then we're dangerously in a place where often the people of God can move into unbelief because God didn't do it like that. God didn't answer my prayer and suddenly it's, I, I, I don't know if God's faithful anymore. Friends, but what we're supposed to do is if we're in a place of crisis, in a place of, of desperation, in a pr place of crying out, when we pray from that place, we, that's supposed to draw us not, not for a solution but to a person. Where we find our solution in a person, and his name is Jesus. And when we find ourselves in him, friends, then we establish his heart. And I suddenly find myself beginning to pray his heart. Woo. Jesus, help us to be a people of prayer. A people, friends, that are not just reacting to whatever the devil, the enemy, or, or crisis, or circumstances, or situations, but a people that are, are, are um, established in God and responding to what God is telling them to do. I believe at this time right now, we need to stop as a church from reacting. This guy stands up, or this president, or this prime minister, or this famous person, or this, that, and the other, and they say this, or this happens, and now they close down the borders, and they do this, whatever, and then we react out of it. Now, shanda rakara. Now, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying anything's wrong with it stirring up our hearts. We get so focused so, so when, when it's crisis, right? Um, but, friends, even if it's the answer to the crisis, and we get that answer, friends, we're still chasing when we're supposed to be leading, we're supposed to be the church. So it's responding to whatever God's telling us to do so that as He speaks...
friends, we can begin to do things ahead of the game or we can begin to stop the enemy from doing whatever the enemy intended to do. Amen? Just such a different understanding that God's wanting us to understand at this time of who we actually are. You know, it's interesting, very quickly, in, in, in Matthew 26, verse 41. How many, how, what time have I got left? 15. The, the Matthew 26, 41 scripture in, in the, in the, um, when he's in the, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says, watch and pray. Um, turn with me quickly. Matthew uh, 26, let's just quickly go there. Um, it says... Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Don't you find that fascinating? It says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. He didn't say pray and ask that you would not be led into temptation. He said, watch and pray that you would not be led into temptation. That means our praying can stop us from being, going into temptations that God never, ever meant us to. Isn't that powerful? Our prayers, when you've got the heart of God, as we're praying and communing with God and getting His nature and His character and beginning to declare and speak the things that He's speaking, protect us from stepping into temptations that we were never ever meant to step into and that at times maybe we, 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 we might not even have the grace for. That's powerful. He says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing for what? The spirit is willing to pray. But the flesh is weak. For what? Weak to pray. So the strength of your and my prayer life is based on whether we are masters over our flesh. A weak prayer life means a dominant flesh. See, God wants us to be masters over our flesh. I'll just go full circle and go back to it. So what is the flesh? It's our appetites and desires. Babylon. Appetites and desires. Friends, in order for us to be people of prayer, in order for us to not be led astray or led into temptation, friends, as people of prayer, we need to make sure that we, have, we are masters over our flesh. We need to make sure that our appetites... all coming round and round into one beautiful picture of a powerful church that are called the house of prayer. Friends who have got the heart of God, established the heart of God in their lives. Now, it's not just about a solution or an answer. There are a people who are after who He is, His character, His nature, His values, what moves Him. Now I'm no longer responding to things and praying for answers. Now it's what moves God. I'm praying with what moves Him. I'm praying His heart. I'm praying His values. I'm praying His character. I'm a people, 
Uh, we are a people of prayer. We're a body that's moving in the presence and power of God. We are demonstrating this word now. We are living this word. We are love demonstrated to the world. That's the times that we're living in. What an absolute honor and a privilege that we have as the people of God at such a time as this. It's so beautiful. It's, it's, it's so um, encouraging and such an honor for us. And I, so I want to just encourage you that you, you may be sitting out there and, and just going, oh, Lord, I, I don't know at this time. I, I don't even know what to do. I feel a bit all over the place, lonely or whatever it is. I want to encourage you with this word. I want to tell you that God's calling us and giving us the responsibility to respond to the Father and not react. So in order to respond to the Father, I've got to get to know the Father. Amen? Did you know that in the Bible that there's only one thing that the disciples asked uh, Jesus to teach them? Isn't that fascinating? I always get fascinated by that. Because you know he did walk on water. He did some amazing things. He, he multiplied food. I mean, I'm sure a lot of the church would have said, teach me how to multiply food. That, that's a great thing. No, he said, teach me to pray. Why? Because they saw him, he drew aside. He drew aside, and when he drew aside, and, he, um, and he, um, he went to be with the Lord, whenever he came back from that, he was way different. They saw that, and they said, I want that. Something about that. Friends, as we draw aside and spend time with the Lord, we come in now carrying something. That's authority and power. When Jesus came back carrying authority and power, man, they said, I, I want that. And that's the church. The church is going to be a people that draw aside. They're people that close their door. Matthew chapter 6, we don't even get to it. 6 to 8, it says, don't be like the guys that stand there going, woohoo, look at me uh, on the street corner and in the pulpits and what have you. Let me pray because they've already got their reward because they've been seen by men. But it says, go and you go and close your door in the quietness, in the secret place. When you're in the secret place and God speaks to you, and then you come out and God says, God will reward you in public. People that have been there in the secret place that are coming out now and God's rewarding them because the presence and power and the authority of God is beginning to operate through their life. Amen? That's the church that Jesus is building. Not the church that's full of knowledge. A church that Jesus is building is one with authority and power. Amen? And I'm running out of time because Eskimo load shedding is about to happen. And so um, I need to close. But I just, I just want to say to the church, this is our greatest and finest and most powerful hour. This is the most powerful and beautiful opportunity where God wants to demonstrate to the nations. He's given us the nations as our inheritance. He wants us to minister who He is in power and authority. Yes, you study the Word. Yes, know the Word. Let the Word of God wash over you. But as much as the Word of God is washing over you, let God come and encounter you. Have communion with God. Draw aside and let Him speak to you and let Him... Establish your heart and, 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 and allow him to come and to give you his heart. Because at this time, he wants us to operate with his heart. So that what we say, what we believe, friends, is actually what we live and what we demonstrate in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you right now for the people of God. I thank you for everybody that's been watching this. They will watch it. And I want to say to them, you have been chosen. You are a chosen one. You are God's treasure, God's delight. He loves you. And uh, you were born for such a time as this. This is the finest hour. I'm asking you right now that just draw aside to the Lord and just spend time with Him and allow Him to captivate your heart. Allow Him to establish your heart. Allow Him to surround your heart. Allow Him to secure your heart because everything in your life comes out of your heart. Be vigilant. Watch and pray that your heart might be filled with a fountain of life as you fear the Lord, as you put your, your, your life in, in His hands in, in, under His surrender so that God can move in your life with such authority and power. Friends, 
Be blessed. May this be a great week as you spend time with Him and allow Him to show you His glory and that you can demonstrate and be His glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, bless your church, Lord God. Thank you, Father, for them uh, uh, watching and just being part of our, our, our time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.